Hello and welcome to Full Disclosure, the YDN podcast series focused on amplifying the difficult conversations that Yaleys are having. Through discussions and interviews with Yale students and faculty, Full Disclosure aims to highlight the most difficult and pressing aspects of Yale culture. Comfort is complacency, yet discomfort brings growth. I'm Simia Lauren. Starting this season, Full Disclosure welcomes two new co-lead producers, Alyssa Michelle and Christian Zapley. Hi, my name is Alyssa Michelle, and I'm a first year in Brantford College. I'm excited to explore much-needed conversations here at Yale. Hello, my name is Christian Zapley, a first year in Davenport College, and I'm excited to facilitate the difficult subjects affecting Yale's campus. In this week's episode, the season two premiere, we spoke to student-athletes about the different perceptions and misconceptions about student-athletes at elite universities like Yale. I got a chance to sit down with Eris Katafiatis, EJ Jarvis, Jack Twyford, and Thomas Tony for a lively discussion. So I'm Thomas Tony. I'm a sophomore in Benjamin Franklin, and I play on the men's soccer team. I'm Jack Twyford. I'm 2023.5, and I, I'm a member of Sullivan College, and I play for the football team. My name is EJ Jarvis. I'm sophomore, class of 23. I'm in Saybrook College, and I'm a member of the men's basketball team. My name is Aris. I'm in the class of 24 now. I was recruited to play to row for the men's heavyweight rowing team, and I'm in Berkeley College. All right, so our first question is, do you believe that there's a common misconception that athletes didn't really earn their place at Yale? Um, I don't know. I mean, among pe- maybe people are just being nice to me when I talk to them, but usually when they talk, I talk to them, they're like, they usually see it as just another uh, area of expertise, although it's not as academic as others. Like, you know, you have like music prodigies that come here and other artists that aren't traditionally uh, academic in nature. So they just, the people I, I've talked to about it um, usually don't see it as you didn't earn your own spot. Now, there might be some, some of those people who I have talked to might think different about, you know, the intellectual capacity of athletes who've earned their own spot here. But I think they can all respect the fact that in one way or another, you earned your way into the college. But who knows, maybe they're just, uh, maybe they're just being nice to me, so. You know, I think I think what Yale wants to do, I think with what most colleges want to do, they want to diversify their student body. And so they want people from all different kinds of aspects of life, you know, that including sports. Right. You need competition and you need, you know, sports within a college to like have a different opinion from athletes. And I think that's what they do. So I feel like athletes, like you said, you know, it's a different area of expertise. We hold that expertise in a physical activity. And just because that's not mental, you know, it doesn't mean that it's of any less importance. Do you think athletes are thought of as less intellectual or smart than their athletic peers and like thought of in this way by professors or your peers who do not play sports? I think with this one, to a certain extent, yes. You look at how other non-athlete students view athletes when it comes to taking classes that are referred to as guts. I think that non-athletes think that athletes are just trying to get easier classes because they just they're not smart enough but I think that if you get into Yale you have to be you have to be smart enough I think that athletes look at guts and it's not just athletes I know non-athletes who look at guts as well Um, but at least in my case guts they're not as 
Um, the workload isn't as demanding, which helps manage time between a hectic practice schedule and a uh, and a hectic travel schedule. I remember last year one time we got back at four o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday in the middle of the week. So I think it's difficult to try and find that right balance. But I think with taking classes that have somewhat of a lighter workload, it can help. I think people often misconstrue athletes taking guts as an intelligence thing and 99% of the time it's not. It's just a pure time thing. It's almost like having just a full-time job on top of doing school. So um, just to keep up with their practice schedule and make sure they're eating and getting the appropriate amount of sleep. Um, sleep is essential. So if you're not getting at least six or seven, preferably eight hours a night, um, especially after a hard practice or hard training, then you're going to just wear your body down. You're not going to have any progress with your body. And it's going to be um, it's gonna be really hard on you. And so in order to get that sleep, in order to make time for that, a lot of times concessions in other parts of your life that need to be made. So whether that's social life, whether that's, dare I say, academics, you know, or whether that's anything else, maybe like your own free time, it, some, some sort of concession needs to be made to fit all the duties of a student athlete into one day. Yeah, I just want to build on a few points that you guys have talked about. So first of all, like being an Ivy League student in itself is already um, amazing. Um, it's hard to be an Ivy League student. And then like EJ said, like you have to be based on smart. So I think like it's important to realize that even though, I mean, obviously there are athletes that are geniuses, but even though consensusly like athletes are, are maybe looked at as not as intelligent, I think it's important to realize like baseline, like we are, like we, there's a reason why um, Yale reached out to us. There's a reason why um, Yale accepted us. We have to be baseline smart to get into Yale. But I do think it's important to tell people. I, I, I told people when I was when I came back home, I said, being an Ivy League student is hard. I just happen to play a sport as well. Um, so like in terms of guts, it's not necessarily in taking because of we're not smart enough or because like our intelligence level, but more so in terms of like time. I go to school, like it's hard to go to school. It's Yale, you know what I mean? But then on top of that, I have to play sports at a high level. Um, basketball um, is like perennially good. You know what I'm saying? Rowing and is rowing and crew is perennially good. Like football is perennially good. Um, soccer's on the, on the come up as well. So these are sports that like we're nationally like acclaimed, you know what I mean? And it's not easy to be nationally acclaimed in athletics and then turn around to be Ivy League student as well. So there's a misconception. Like people think like, oh, you only got in because you're an athlete. But like, I happen to go to school, the same school that you go to. But while you're at, while you're at home taking a nap instead of doing homework, like I'm on the field and then I got to turn around and do homework again. You know what I mean? So I'm not saying that like being a student athlete is, is harder or better or anything, but I don't think people put into perspective like what a student athlete actually is unless you are one, unless you have these conversations with one. I feel like we've got to first define what we mean by intelligence because a lot of people, it's easy to slip into the definition of like academically smart or like the traditional intelligence of like how that was kind of imposed on us. Like growing up, you know, going to school from a very young age, we have this like hard idea of what it means to be intelligent, but I think what people don't understand or like realize is that there's different, you know, areas of intelligence, you know, you have emotional intelligence and then you have logical intelligence. And I think athletics is just another form of intelligence. You're like, it's just a question of what kind of intelligence are you talking about? But no, I fully agree with what everybody said. Um, I, I like, like Eric said, the, the definition of like intelligence, the way that I kind of had to change the way I looked at intelligence was like, everybody has a gift. I think like everybody's special at something at you, like, um, we talk about like Yale wants to diversify their student body, but 
Um, and you talk about like stats and how you get into Yale and all those kind of things. But like a 4.0 student with a 1600 GPA may be turned down for somebody who has a 3.8, who has a 14.80. You know what I mean? Like it, and like numbers aren't everything. So like when Eris was talking about like intelligence, like I feel like intelligence is quantified as in numbers now. And I, and I don't I don't think that's the case because I, I find like the way that people understand things, the way that people function is really not based on like the stats or the grades or, 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 or things like that in every way. But like the way that I look at it now is like, what's your gift? You know what I mean? Like somebody's musically inclined, somebody's good at pottery, somebody's somebody can paint, you know what I mean? Like there's these different gifts that people have. And I think athletics is a gift and it just so happens to be like a gift that, that Yale's providing on a bigger scale. But I think like if, if Yale had a painting team or, or a pottery team or or I mean obviously we have acapella groups, but I think if these were things that like that people came to Yale for, like the student body would probably look different. You know what I mean? So I think there's different different ways to, to characterize what intelligence is. I think it's important to recognize that student athletes at Yale just I think there's a sense of there's a sense of jealousy that stems all the way back from the high school recruitment process versus high school admissions process um, you look at student athletes receiving offers as early as their sophomore year while non-student athletes are looking at colleges well into their senior year there's a sense of reassurance that student athletes have knowing that they've put in the work to excel in the recruitment process and get accepted into uh, colleges that other non-student athletes are looking at. So I think that's where it first starts. And then obviously you can get into the race and socioeconomics where student athletes are often associated with lower uh, income households. And then you have, you bring in the race as an African-American student athletes are associated with uh, playing sports because they can't afford to go to college or because they simply are not smart enough to go to college without sports. I think that's a major stereotype. You look at any African-American student athlete who attends Yale University, and I promise you they are smart enough to get into Yale without athletics, right? Going back to what Thomas said, each person at Yale has their gift. And with African-American student athletes, Yes, a majority of them have athletics, but that's just because of the, um, the situation and the environment we are raised in. I've been playing basketball since I was four, right? And I wasn't even thinking about college, wasn't thinking about going to Yale, wasn't, it was just something that happened. I picked up a basketball, I played, I got good. And I think that people, really, like they don't understand that just because you have this gift doesn't mean you should be faulted for having it. And I think that's what non-student athletes tend to do when athletes um, regardless of race, get accepted into Yale. I think that's really funny what you said about like how it stems back to like high school days. The difference between like, you know, if you compare like a, a fantastic musician versus a fantastic hockey player, right? We immediately associate the fact that music and art and all, all the kinds of like extracurricular activities are more mentally based while sports are like physically based. And for some reason, that kind of, there's a differentiation. There's like a wall between the two, but we got to realize that there's a lot of, mentality when it comes to like playing a sport i mean like athletes on average are much more better at time management than other people and we do a lot of things better than a lot of people do and you know vice versa we don't do certain things as well as other certain people do it's just a balance of things just because one thing is more physical than the other it doesn't mean that it's it could be less appreciated or something and stemming from what Eris said um, on the sport-to-sport -sport perception of athletes, when it comes to different sports, some sports are more physical than others. So you have the contact sports, which is hockey, lacrosse, football, or even sports that aren't contact sports, but are much more um, athletically uh, inclined. So 
you can be a great squash player and not be the best athlete in the world, but if you're playing basketball, you pretty much have to be a top one percenter type of athlete to really make an impact on the field. So I feel like with those differences in, in athletic standards, you're going to have more people casting a harsher eye on those sports that have more, I feel like more more popular, or more, more contact-based uh, sports are much more frowned upon, I feel like, in the, in the Yale community than other more, uh, I would say, elegant or erudite sports. It's a weird microcosm, almost like with, you know, how STEM kids look down on kids who study history or humanities, and it's self-contained in this little world. Now, I'm not sure if, you know, regular students see it this way, but I, I know a lot of uh, fellow athletes on both sides of the spectrum who see it this way. You've probably heard other people say like, well, would you have gotten into Yale or X university if it weren't for your sport or if you weren't recruited by a coach? And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that in the same way that we're getting into Yale by being recruited by a coach, that's just an extension of us being recruited to Yale by the admissions office. You know, they need sportsmen just as much as they need musicians or actors or computer science geeks. I mean, you need a well-rounded university and that's just like, you know, that's back to my original point. Like that power that the coaches have is not just some kind of backwards old tradition that colleges have. It's just an extension of the universities and like of what they want. A university has every power to reject an athlete that a coach puts forward to them. I mean, I've seen it happen a lot of times. Most teams, I don't know about your team. I know, you know, I can only speak for rowing because I know for a fact that we have this, but I'm sure it's the same with every other team. We got to maintain a certain GPA. We got to, we can't just be recruiting Olympic athletes all the time because, you know, coincidentally, they're not going to have as high of grades because they're going to be devoting their time into their sports and their craft. It's just that, you know, we still have to maintain a certain standard that we all have. I just want to touch on what you said. And you said that, like, that our university has every right to, to, to reject you. Like, when, when I told people, like, oh, I committed to Yale, like, all this kind of stuff, they were like, oh, like, you're already going to Yale. And I was like, ah, I'm not going to Yale yet. Like, I still have to get in. And, and what people, like, don't realize is, like, okay, like, yeah, my coach um, helped me get in. Like, I had a liaison, like, for the team and all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, like, if they read it and they were like, oh, this person can't go to our school, they have every right in the world to say he's rejected. He can't, you know what I mean? And then I have to turn around and go the opposite direction. And, and I can't really do much, you know what I mean? So um, I do think it's important, like, like I have to get in as a Yale student. Like, I didn't get in as um, a soccer player or a football player or a basketball player or a rowing, you know what I mean? I got in as a Yale student. Um, the only thing is, like, I had a coach <laughs> that said, okay, you need to have these grades. Like, okay, this looks like you can get in. This looks like an, an application that'll work. But like, I know a lot of my friends, they were like, oh yeah, Yale reached out to me. I sent them my GPA. I didn't hear back from them since, you know what I mean? So like, that's a, that's a reality for a lot of people, you know what I mean? So I, I think that's something that non-student athletes don't really understand. Yeah, Yale needs Yale students. They're not just going to hire athletes or recruit athletes because whoever they recruit, they're going to hope and expect to like maintain a good GPA and like not drop out sophomore year because that's just going to look bad for them. So they need people, athletes, who they believe can be or have the potential to be just as good as every other student because otherwise they're just going to be bringing themselves down. Why would they do that? Going back to um, what both of you guys just said, you can't really make an Ivy League commitment to a sport without saying pending admission. It's really not the coach's decision. It really does fall onto the admissions. And also to what Eric said about the hypothetical question of would you have gone into Yale without your sport? Well, then I posed the, the person asking that question, 
well, if I hadn't gotten into Yale with my sport, then I probably, like, I wouldn't have been, uh, in high school, wouldn't have been practicing hours and hours doing that sport, so then I would have more time to focus on school. So, hypothetically, yes, I would have gotten in without my sport because I would have had more time to focus on school and homework and everything in high school. Um, so it's, oh, would you have gotten in with just your grades and not your sport? Yes because I would have had more time to focus on my grades in high school, which would have helped, uh, boosted them going into the admissions process junior, senior year. One last question. So do you think that there's a difference in perception between male and female athletes and athletes who come from different races or different socioeconomic backgrounds when it comes to perception? I think with the exception of a very, very few sports, I think the beautiful thing about, you know, sports is that anyone can play no matter who you are, where you're from, you can just get together and just have a good time. I mean, I personally think girls on average are smarter. So I, when I see a female athlete, I'm like, yeah, you're probably smarter than us. But <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think there's a difference. I don't think people look at that differently. But I might be wrong. If you look at going on um, talking about gender, let's say Bleacher Report or House of Highlights, any sports media page post something on it. Uh, social media, the comments are just filled with hatred and hatred, and I'm like, I don't understand it. Um, I think I think it's in it's in it's important to to note that the difference could very well be athleticism um, for a lot of sports. I think it's it's nothing saying it's not me saying anything like girls can't be athletes or or anything, but I do think it's very hard for a girl to be six six and play the offensive line um, at a super high level. But I do think that obviously if a girl wants to do that, then by all means do as you do as you please, you know. But what I what I do say is like the the with what they have, like girls are very very good at sports, you know what I mean? And and I look at my sister now, like she's playing, she's starting volleyball, and and a lot of the guys her age are playing basketball basketball and football and they're athletic and whatever but like my sister playing volleyball like she's a good volleyball player with what she has granted if she were I don't know if she were a guy maybe she's a few inches taller like a few inches whatever but um, even then like she may not be as good skill wise you know what I mean there's always a give and take I think it's like the same when it comes to like male and female athletes is the same with athletes and non-athletes and with every other kind of comparison there's a give and take and then I guess talking about race a little bit, it's, uh, you know, you look at teams like lacrosse team and, and the hockey team, you just wonder like, or why isn't it more diverse? And I don't think it's, it's definitely not the fault of the coaches or the individual players, not at all. I think it just goes back to a larger societal uh, norm that African-Americans tend to play basketball and uh, football. And um, those are really the two sports that they look at just because I always see a basketball hoop always see someone holding a football, always see a turf field or something like that. There are not a lot of places in urban cities that have access to rowing supplies or a river or um, lacrosse, gold sticks, all that. It's just, it really does go down to what is in someone's environment when they're growing up. It's important to realize that, that role models do play a big role in somebody's life, you know what I mean? And And as a black guy, and I hate to attribute this to only race, but as a black guy, like I look when I walk into a room or when go to another place, I always look for another black guy. You know what I mean? And when I'm watching it, when I'm watching a game, I always look for a black guy. You know what I mean? It's just naturally what I do. Like, so like obviously my role model, I love LeBron James. I think he's a goat. You know what I mean? But he was my role model in terms of like an athlete, but also in terms of like a person. So I think what I attribute, what I'm trying to get to here is like, is a lot of black guys see 
their role models in football, in basketball, you know what I mean? And these are sports. And when we talk about these things, like, like I look for black role models, you know what I mean? And I think as a, as a four-year-old kid, EJ, like you're obviously you have a basketball hoop in your driveway and all these things. But I think like if you turn on the TV and your dad's watching basketball, you know what I'm saying? And you look on the TV and you're like, oh, there's a black guy playing basketball. And then you realize, oh, I have this outside. You know what I mean? Like that's what you're going to do. Now, granted, if there was black rowers on the TV and you had a river outside um, your back porch, you'd probably be like, oh, I want to be a rower. You know what I mean? So I think like when it when when we talk about where certain races are, I think I'm not saying like we're stuck in a cycle, but I do think there's a reason behind it. And I, and I think that the reason is we're looking up to people who are, who are like us. Um, and then we want almost want to follow in their footsteps, looking up to people who look like you, who are becoming these these things like it gives you motivation to do them as well. On this week's episode, I was able to sit down with three student athletes, Hannah Johns, Aubriana Barrett, and Molly Fallick. Uh, my name is Hannah Johns. I am a junior from Davenport, and I am on the women's rowing team. Hi, I'm Aubriana. I'm a sophomore in Polly Murray, and I'm on the women's track and field team. My name is Molly Fallick, and I'm also a rising sophomore and from Sabre College and a member of the Yale women's soccer team. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Um, So for my first question, um, I'm going to ask, do you believe that there's a common misconception that athletes didn't really earn their place at Yale? I think there's definitely, um, it's definitely thrown around. I don't know how, how commonplace it is. I do feel like I often get affirmations that are positive towards athletics, which I think is very important. But there's definitely an air of um, not necessarily judgment, but definitely an air of something, I suppose, that... Yeah, no, I completely agree, because they definitely do say, you know, oh, you're an athlete, that's that's great, that's really cool, but there's also some people or s- some idea that goes around that's like, we didn't earn our place because we may not have gone there fully on athletics, whereas some other students may have. I think in my opinion, it's, it's, it's certainly talk, but it doesn't really translate into the classroom. I agree. In most classroom discussions, it's, it's often hard to distinguish who's an athlete and who isn't, or it's something that's not appreciated in the same way. But definitely circulates in, like, in conversation with friends or in broad debates over whether athletes should be given preferred admissions. So something I think is interesting and worth noting, it's always criticized, you know, the application process. Uh, I, I know in my particular experience, I committed to Yale, verbally committed to Yale at a, at a young age, uh, beginning of my sophomore year of high school. But my verbal commitment was contingent upon me keeping my grades up. So I don't, I'm sure you guys had similar experiences, but if you worked hard, you know, freshman, sophomore year in pursuing an, an athletics, whatever, student athlete career in college, and you got on the phone and your coach says, okay, keep your grades up, that meant for the next three or two and a half years, I had to do just as well. So it's sort of a weird misconception because you end up working just as hard. Um, you just have a little less of the, the daily stresses and anticipation of not getting in. People always ask me before I committed, oh, you know, it must have been so easy. Like, yeah, you take the pressure off, but you still have to, you still have to work hard. It's also like you take the pressure off of that like one month period where students are applying to schools and getting into schools but that one month period is extended at least was extended for me to like 
months and months and months of like talking to schools, trying to get my SAT score up and up and up and up and like parsing that out. Like that stress does still exist. It just exists in different ways and maybe lesser, less concentrated, but over a longer period of time. Yeah, definitely. Because our coaches a lot of times give you a heads up in advance of what they're expecting and what they need us to do. So we kind of just have that forefront of goals that we need to reach automatically. You know, we're not, um, not so like stressed as, and we don't, we don't wonder as much whether we're going to get in or whether we're good enough to get in because a lot of time our coaches will give us a heads up about what we need, but it's still about us working hard to be able to meet those goals so that we can get into the school. Cause you know, we still have to do everything. They can't just let us in. Yeah, I agree. And I definitely think, um, I, I think the the like sports admissions whole scandal situation happened about when I was a first year, and I think that definitely, you know, turned some people off of of like athletes being admitted to schools just in general because it kind of brought that conversation to the forefront of like popular culture. Um, after that, there was definitely more rhetoric around um, athletes not really being deserving of their spots at Yale, but that's definitely died down over the past few years. On that point, and I'm sure we can talk about this in, in more depth later, I'm, as a member of the women's soccer team, somewhat you know, familiar with that whole scandal, given that our head coach, um, who was partly, partly responsible, not I'd say not entirely responsible for recruiting my class, um, was sort of the smoking gun for the entire scandal. So <laughs> that adds an element. <laughs> Do you think athletes are thought of as less intellectual or smart than their non-athletic peers? Yeah, I think that kind of goes back to the last question with the common misconception about earning their place at Yale, where uh, some people believe that coaches and their athletic abilities were the driving force that lapped them into the school, where especially at Yale, which is a very academically rigorous school, people think that having other factors so highly um or like athletics being such a high factor that um that they're you know they couldn't get in there on their own based on just their academics so i think that there that there is an idea that athletes are not as smart as their non-athletic peers does this really vary from sport to sport i i'm unsure if it varies from sport to sport but i definitely have heard um more i've heard more in terms of like against individuals who will wear Yale athletics gear to like class or to section um I know people definitely and professors and TAs I've heard definitely are see that kind of as a signaling and and look down upon that or what I've what I've personally heard I'm, I'm not sure if this carries over to everyone's experience but it's kind of that like I don't know. It's unfortunate that you kind of feel a little judged when you're like just, you know, repping your school and repping the why. But it's it's definitely I mean, I've I've heard it be relevant in the classroom as well. There also is some gratification that comes from walking into a classroom, being an athlete and then sort of impressing everyone in the room, you know, making a witty comment or something where everyone turns and looks and says, oh, jokingly, that you're the athlete. So it, it goes both ways. And I think everyone at Yale feels, at, at least at some point in their lives, a sense of imposter syndrome. And that's probably a bit heightened as an athlete. Um, but the same type, that's sort of just how you, how you internalize it. Yeah, I definitely agree with the, the imposter syndrome point. I think, like, 
our experience as athletes like in and out of the classroom is definitely very unique but I think like the feelings that go along with the caveats of like being an athlete in the classroom and like this kind of weird stereotype that's developed around that um, everyone experiences some form of that like athlete or not and it doesn't necessarily have to be like athletics related um, but Yale does I feel um, look for like really well-rounded individuals and and I think that pertains to the athletics uh, landscape as well like the athletes that we have at Yale aren't just like really strong and really good at their sport they're also like really interesting people and that pertains to, like every section of school like every subunit of school everyone is like good at something but they're also very well-rounded and, and interesting and that definitely carries over to athletics this this perception of athletes might be more specific, at least to the Ivy League or the better academic institutions, because they they prioritize academics over athletics. Yeah, that's definitely a big one. And it goes back to like the same thing where what you were saying, how everyone feels that um, sometimes they don't necessarily belong or um, questions how well, you know, they got into it into the school, but I think that being an athlete, it's a lot more obvious, you know, everyone, especially when you're wearing your Yale athletics gear, everyone knows when you walk into a room who the athletes are and who the non-athletes are. So it really differentiates those types of people. That's, I think that's why some people may believe that, um, like it's more separated between athletics and non-smart and non-intellectual students, you know? It's also interesting because at the same time, Yale athletes, love to rep their athletic gear, particularly in classes. So there is a sense of pride there as well. And that's an interesting dichotomy that perhaps we can discuss with both, you know, the, the what we're talking about, you know, being this misinterpretation about student athletes being less qualified. Yeah, definitely. Because I know that I'm obsessed with all of my Yale gear. I love wearing it. I love being known that I'm on Yale track, but I don't really want, I don't really think of people kind of looking down on that but it might happen it probably does happen but that's not necessarily what goes through my head and that's probably not what goes through a lot of athletes head when they end up wearing their gear to classes or around campus have you guys noticed whether race socioeconomic background or other factors influence this more or is this just something that's standard i think those those groupings you know it, de- it definitely depends on who you surround yourself with like if you consciously surround yourself with very tolerable open people then I you don't feel the immediate effects of that but I'm sure if if you surround yourself with people who do care about those sort of things it's more obvious I would say I just I I'm not sure because I don't necessarily have those people immediately around me um but I mean I'm sure it's prevalent stereotypes exist in every facet of our lives yeah, that's a similar thing. Um, I don't necessarily see that, but I can completely understand or see if people, you know, do think that way. And my last question, do you think that there are differences in perception between male and female athletes that are prevalent? I mean, sexism in sports is something that has always been around and and will continue to be around um, so long as we work really hard to kind of squash it. And I think sexism in the classroom as well. Um, Like these are things that we're trying really hard to overcome just in general, like as a society and working really hard to overcome these things in sports is really important. But I definitely think, you know, like maybe not so much at Yale. I, I mean, 
on my, I'm on the women's rowing team. Everyone I surround myself with is like a badass, like strong woman. So I don't necessarily like really see that sexism come into play again in my immediate group because I'm just surrounded by such cool, interesting and like dynamic women that I just don't see it. And I'm sure, um, Abriana and Molly kind of feel the same way. Like women in sports are badasses. <laughs> and if you surround yourself with those people, like that's all you really see. Yeah, definitely. In this episode, we asked student athletes what their experience has been like at Yale regarding misguided opinions about their academic validity. The interviewees discussed a range of topics such as the difficulty of balancing both an Ivy League education and a nationally recognized sports schedule, how we should define intelligence, and how race and socioeconomics plays into stereotypes that exist for student athletes. Join us next time for a discussion about January's capital insurrection, specifically its impact on students' view of government and what young people hope for from the next administration.